Super Talk Mississippi media production. If you're feeling anxious about your investments with all the economic volatility and chaos in Washington, tune in to Super Talk Jackson on Wednesdays from 9 to 10 a.m. and Sundays from 8.30 to 9.30 a.m. for Element Wealth Radio with Jeremy Nelson. Learn more at myelementwealth.com. Welcome in. Good. Is it Wednesday already? Yeah. Good Wednesday morning with you. I'm Michael Borky. Thank you so much for tuning in as you always do. I got a handful of things for you today. First of all, Jameis met with the media for the first time yesterday. And usually, you know, I don't really play press conference clips that often, but I've got two of those for you today. Uh, One from Jameis where he's starting to win me over. I don't know how I feel about it, but he's starting to win me over. So I'll play that quote for you. And then also Coach O uh, said something in a press conference yesterday that uh, is going viral. Now, there is – it's always good when coaches are honest because we don't get a whole lot of that. We really don't. I mean, coaches rarely ever tell the truth. (laughs) I mean, they are always full of it. So Coach O O told the truth. And – Probably said too much. I'll tell you about that. Also, bad refs last night. Oh, my gosh. Wait till you hear this story. And then Southern Miss beat up on Alabama last night, and Brad Bohannon had something to say after the game. Uh, Talk about sour grapes uh, with Ole Miss coming to town. Jeez. So I'll tell you about all that coming up right here on the stream. Again, I'm Michael Borky. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget, right there, that's the at. That's the handle. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just search my name. Hit that subscribe button. Um, and ring the notification bell as well. Get notified every time I go live or a new video gets posted. Follow me on any social media platform and subscribe to the podcast. If you're watching on the stream, this does get uploaded in podcast form every single day. Just search Mike in the Morning or Michael Borky. Uh, you can find that there. Uh, leave a rating and a review if you like. I would really appreciate that. Also, there's a thing going viral, by the way. I'm sure you guys have seen it by now. If you're watching this, you're on social media. And if you're on social media, you have seen the uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch Shrimp Tail guy. So this guy has gone, he's gone viral now. Um, He put a picture on Twitter of two shrimp tails that he found in his bag of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. The greatest cereal out there, by the way. There's no doubt about it. Um And this is not going to stop me from eating it, even if it's true. But this guy puts the picture out there, and then Cinnamon Toast Crunch responds and says that, oh, that's probably just built up sugar. And he was like, no, they're actually tails, and it's gone back and forth, and it's been this whole deal. Um, He claims he found shrimp tails and uh, what looks like dental floss in his bag of cereal. And it turns out this guy is married to the actress that played Topanga on Boy Meets World. So it's a whole deal. I don't believe him. He could show me a video of him opening the bag and finding it in there, and I don't believe it. I don't believe it at all. I mean, a blue checkmark guy going viral on Twitter who uh, is married to, I mean, this is going to be harsh, but now she's kind of like a D-list celebrity. I mean, nobody really knows her name. They just know her as Topanga. 
Uh, and I mean, the guy like wrote for the WWE. It's a work. I, I don't believe it. So that's my take on cinnamon, cinnamon toast, crunch, sugar, shrimp tail guy. I don't buy it. I don't believe it. I think it's a work or something like that. Again, he could show me a video of him opening up the bag and, and pulling them out. And I would not at all believe that that is real. I don't believe it. It's the internet. I don't believe it. Like my first thing when I see something on the internet is skepticism. Drives my wife nuts. Um, I don't believe this guy at all. Topanga's husband, full of crap. That's my conclusion. But on to the sports. So this thing from Jameis, and it's going to be kind of awkward. So with this software, I haven't figured out how to play videos for you where you can hear the audio. I can play you a video, but you can't hear it. And I could put the audio in the podcast, but you guys that are watching on stream couldn't hear it. So what I'm going to do is the old-fashioned way. I'm going to play the audio off my phone. See, there's Jameis, so you guys can hear it. It's going to be a little awkward, but whatever. Uh, He met with the media for the first time uh, since Drew Brees retired yesterday. And um, this was his answer when he was asked about Drew Brees and his year behind Drew Brees and what he learned. Um, This is really good stuff, honestly. He's trying to win me over, and uh, this is great. So I'm going to play it for you now. It's going to be a little awkward, but this is the most efficient way for me to do this, at least until I can figure out how to put videos into this system to play them for you with audio. I'm sure I'm doing something wrong. It's got to be on my end. But uh, I can play a video so you can see him talking, but you couldn't hear anything. So this is this is the best way to do it. But anyway, here's Jameis. Uh, we played it on the radio show for you yesterday as well, if you're a crossover listener. But if you missed it, Jameis uh, talking about Drew Brees when he met with the media for the first time yesterday. It was a dream of mine. Like, and for him to put his arm around me or, you know, just give me any any encouraging words after I saw – the resilience, the passion, the way that he went and approached every single day. But that to even be a story, like I was I was touched by that because he doesn't even know how much he means to me and my family, for real. But I'm not going to share what he shared with me. I don't even remember, but it touched me. Been having a chance to play in the playoffs after like winning a playoff game, like getting a chance to throw a touchdown in the playoffs. Like, I love football, that's all I've, I've done my entire life. And someone that I look up to, that I admire, that I actually could, <clears throat> could touch was my teammate, and I had a chance to serve him. Like, man, this, I'm speechless. Like, that, get, that really gets me emotional because I really love Drew Brees. Like, I don't think he understands. I, I know my wife do. I know my family do. But y'all don't understand the impact that him and a lot of other quarterbacks have. So, again, I'm sorry. That was awkward. That's just the only way I could do that efficiently. Um 
I was skeptical when they signed him at first uh, because I knew what it was. I mean, everybody knew what it was. Sean Payton's even admitted, and we all knew this anyway, uh, he's even admitted that when they entered into last season, they knew it was Breeze's last season, that him returning next year, that that was never an option. This was the final year. And so I kind of figured that was the case. And when they signed Jameis, I, I put one and two together and realized that, hey, they're signing this guy to learn and be the heir apparent to Drew Brees unless something else comes up. And I was skeptical of that. In fact, I didn't like it. Um, I didn't like it at all. If we're being totally, totally honest, I uh, was very skeptical. His past and, and what he's done, not just on the football field, but off of it, really concerned me. Um, and, and then this doesn't mean anything either unless it materializes, right? I mean, it's a it's one quote from a press conference in March, on March 23rd. This was yesterday afternoon. Um, that's, that's all it is, unless it materializes into something, because the, the talent has always been there with him. I mean, he's a Heisman Trophy winner, national champion, and he threw for 5,000 yards in one season in the NFL, not by mistake. The guy is talented. And I said this yesterday, and some listeners didn't like it, but it's the truth. Um, From a talent perspective, from ability, talent, the Saints will upgrade pretty significantly from this past season to 2021. I'm not talking about in totality. Like 2009 Drew Brees is obviously better than Jameis Winston right now. But when you're talking about from last year to this year, there is a significant upgrade in ability that is happening. But as you and everybody else knows, that's not the, the only factor into playing quarterback. Wouldn't that be great? If all you had to do was just be talented, then a lot of different guys would be on top of the NFL right now. The talent for Jameis has always, always, always been there for him. The problem has been upstairs. And if this is real, if that quote and that personality and that approach, and he had a handful of other things he said yesterday, too, that were just fantastic about um, work ethic and culture and stuff like that. He seems to get it. But if it just stays in a press conference, if it doesn't materialize, it doesn't matter. But if this is real, then they made the right decision. If this is real, then maybe they've got something here. Because that's a guy that's always had it. And he was a minimum contract backup that barely played last year because of mental stuff. And maturity, especially. Because when you look at quarterbacks around the NFL, I I mean, like Aaron Rodgers is incredibly skilled. Russell Wilson is incredibly skilled. let's, Let's not get any of that twisted. But why do you think Tom Brady's won seven Super Bowls? Is it because he's got the biggest arm? No. Is it because he's the most accurate passer? No. I mean, the guy that Jameis is taking over for in New Orleans uh, isn't really good at anything. He's not tall. He doesn't have a big arm. He's very accurate, but that's a lot of that is mental because he's got the timing. He understands defenses and knows where all of his players are going to be. But Drew Brees is short. He's got, he didn't have a strong arm. Not the best athlete in the world, but he had it upstairs. That's the only thing holding Jameis back. And that quote yesterday, um, until it materializes, it doesn't matter. But that's a sign of maturity, and that's the one thing that he's been missing in his career. The talent, the ability is exceptional. It's through the roof. But he hadn't had it 
especially maturity. And that, I don't know about you guys, that sounded like a guy that's learned. And I just hope it's real. I hope it's not just for show and and was just a quote in a press conference because a lot of guys that do a lot of wrong things can still say good things in a press conference. That does happen. So I hope it's real because if that is the Jameis that the Saints are getting, they're going to be just fine. If that's real, if he really has learned from getting knocked from the top, being a starting quarterback in the NFL, having to take a minimum deal, nobody really wanting him, having to be humbled, sitting behind Drew Brees. If that actually turned into something, if that quote that I just played for you, if that's real, they're going to be fine. I loved that. I mean, he's winning me over with stuff like that. That sounded like a guy that's learned. That sounded like a guy that knows that he's been an idiot in his past. Uh, That sounded like a guy that is ready to take on the role of being the face of an NFL franchise. At least that's what it sounded like. And it's just one day and it's just one quote. But that's what that sounded like. I just hope it's real. I, uh, I really hope it's real. All right, bad refs yesterday. So this isn't a big NHL state, and I'm not going to pretend like you guys are um, care much about the NFL, but I know you guys are going to be interested in this. A referee last night. And, of course, the Predators have a Mississippi guy on the team, by the way, a guy from Biloxi, plays for the Nashville Predators. Um, but bad ref stories always get people fired up, especially me. Last night in the NHL, the Predators were playing the uh, Detroit Red Wings. And there was a penalty called in the second period. It doesn't have a time attached to it. And it's five minutes or, or so into the second period. And Nashville was called for tripping. And when you look at the replay, it's a phantom call. I mean, it's just a bad call. And that happens. I mean, you know, refs are human, stuff like that. There's a little bit of contact, maybe. Definitely wasn't tripping, but tripping is the penalty that's called. The problem is, after the penalty was called, so it's a bad call. It shouldn't have happened, right? We can, But we can accept that. That happens sometimes. After the penalty is called, the official is on a hot mic. So they have the refs mic'd up, and they're going into commercial break. And the official that called the penalty, Tim Peel, is his name. I can't play the clip for you because he uses words I just don't need to have on this stream. Um, Was caught on a hot mic as the broadcast is going into commercial break saying, quote, it wasn't much, but I wanted to get a expletive penalty against Nashville. Uh Uh-oh. Oops. And it's not on ESPN anywhere. Like, you go to the ESPN's NHL page, and they're, like, not even talking about it. But an official who called a bad penalty, a wrong penalty, on a hot mic said it wasn't much, but I wanted to get a F-word penalty against Nashville. That was said on the broadcast. And, again, I know you guys aren't hockey people, so I'll make it – I'll extend it some uh, away from hockey. I mean, that's embarrassing. That, That guy shouldn't officiate a game again. But how often do you think that kind of mentality happens in sports? There's an example I use all the time. It was when uh, Ole Miss played at Tulane a few years ago. And in the first inning, Thomas Dillard uh, showed up the umpire, disagreed with the strike three call. He stayed in the box for a little bit. He like put his bat across the plate and was 
you know, showed him that it was outside. You shouldn't do that. You're not supposed to do that. I'm If my son plays baseball, I'm going to teach him not to do that. But sometimes you do things that you shouldn't do because it's sports, you know, your adrenaline's up, whatever. For the rest of that game, Thomas Dillard was umpired differently. It was as clear as day. Even the Homer Tulane guys pointed it out and noticed it. Because in the first inning, Thomas Dillard showed up the umpire. That guy decided to dictate the way the game was played differently because a college kid did something he didn't like. How often, I guess is my question, does stuff like this happen? Because we've always kind of figured, right? I mean, there are people that think that there are biased officials. I don't know if it's like they love Alabama and they hate Mississippi State or whatever, but there are times where people have asked the question, right? And then you hear a clip like this. And no, this isn't SEC football. This isn't SEC baseball or basketball. This is a professional. This is at the highest level where a ref straight up says, he didn't mean for all of us to hear it, but you can find the clip if you want, by the way. Um, But says that. It wasn't much, but I wanted to get a penalty against Nashville, and then the broadcast cuts out. And Zach, you're right. I mean, I wish there was more context, of course. He said he didn't watch the game, but the only situation that could even begin to make sense is if it's chippy or whatever, and the ref is trying to get control over the game in some way. Now, I'm reading this from a, a Nashville Predators blog. So, you know, it could have been chippy, and they're not referencing that because, you know, fans want to make it look as bad as possible. But the clip is the clip. And... It just makes me wonder, how often does this happen? How often is there a guy that has it in his head? Hey, I didn't like something they did earlier. I just wanted to call a penalty on him. I just wanted to throw a flag on that guy. I just wanted to call that guy for strike three, even though it wasn't a strike. How often does that happen? Because we heard it loud and clear from a professional last night. Quote, it wasn't much, but I wanted to get a uh -uh, penalty against Nashville. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? It uh, it makes me wonder. Speaking of quotes, uh, Coach Ed Orgeron was uh, meeting with the media yesterday. They're going through spring practice. Ole Miss started theirs yesterday. Mississippi State started last week. Southern Miss has been at it for a while. And um, their spring game, I think, is this Saturday, too, which is exciting. But Ed Orgeron... Um, was talking about or was asked about the the new assistants. And it's kind of tough to hear. But here was his answer. He was asked about his assistants. And again, I've got to play it off my phone because I can't get through the software. I can't figure out how to get video that plays audio. It's goofy. I, I'm sorry. I know. It's, uh, it's not very professional. But hey, this is uh, the, the radio show in the afternoon is kind of what pays the bills anyway, not this. Um, but he's asked about assistance and, and I'll, if you can't understand him because he's Ed Orgeron, um, I'll read the money quote to you, but here, here he is when asked about assistance yesterday. First of all, I think we did a great job at hiring the coaches and uh, doing a great job of, uh, interviewing them. I, I hired some coaches. I didn't even interview, them, uh, last from the last half and I'm never doing that again. I hired, uh, I interviewed everybody. 
Uh, we didn't get the first or second. I, I tell you what, we got them on, on offense. I'm happy with them. I talked to Joe about them. I interviewed them. I told them exactly what I want. They have the answers. They're very smart. I couldn't be more pleased with them. You know, Durante was like the fourth or fifth choice. Well, so was I. Who cares? He's here. He's doing a tremendous job. Andre. So in case you didn't really understand what he said, I think the money quote is, I hired some coaches I didn't even interview from the last staff, last staff, and I'm never doing that again. I interviewed everybody. Now, in this business, right, I'm actually going to give him credit here, which if you guys know me, that's not something that I do with LSU very often. We all the time in sports media wish coaches would actually be transparent and honest, and we never get it. I mean, the coaches are so full of crap all the time. They never tell us the truth. They never... They never say anything honest. They are so, most of them, are so consumed with keeping information all inside that if anything leaks or whatever, or if anybody asks a question that can be interpreted as not like cheering for your team, they get all bent out of shape. I actually respect Ed Orgeron for the thing he said. Well, he was my fourth or fifth choice, but so was I. Who cares? I Actually, I like that. Um, because how often have you heard a coaching search and with, yeah, we got our guy. I mean, Tennessee did it. My goodness. Auburn did it. Oh, well, no, we only offered the job to whatever coach I hired. No, you didn't. I mean, Auburn went through five or six candidates, and that's being conservative. Tennessee went through multiple candidates, and that's being conservative. But at the end of the day, they got their guy. At least, finally, somebody's being honest. And so I respect Orgeron for that part of this. Um you know, my defensive coordinator was my fourth or fifth choice, but who cares? He's here. I was the fourth or fifth choice. Let's go. I actually respect that and appreciate that. The problem is I think coach was a little too honest. <laughs> I don't think you should be admitting to anyone that you didn't uh, interview people that you hired. I don't know. I think saying I hired some coaches I didn't even interview from the last last staff, and I'm never doing that again. That's probably something that you should keep inside. Maybe in this instance, in that instance anyway, it's okay to not tell everyone that you didn't interview people that you hired. I don't know. If I was an LSU fan, I'd be really concerned. I, I, look. Stuart Mandel from The Athletic did coaching coach rankings today, and uh, he had Ed Orgeron at eighth, I think. Um, and, and that's fine. I, I you, you don't go 15-0 and 0 by being totally incompetent. I think that they struck gold with, uh, with certain hires. I think that they struck gold with Joe Brady. Um, they struck gold with a transfer quarterback, and it was just kind of like a – a perfect storm of success. I don't know how much the head coach actually had to do with that. However, he was still the head coach, and he deserves a ton of credit, all of the credit, for winning a national championship and having one of the best teams ever in college football. I mean, that's that's real. But I think what's going on here is very similar to Gene Chizik. I think this season, it's they're too talented for this. But I know I'm not convinced like everybody else is that he's changed.
like some people have. Oh, yeah, different coach now. He learned from his mistakes. He just admitted out front that he didn't interview assistants and hired them without interviewing them. Maybe that's standard practice. I doubt it. Uh, That doesn't sound like something that you should do if you're the head of a multi-million dollar uh, football enterprise like LSU football is. If I was a fan of LSU today and I heard that quote, I'd be really, really concerned. I'll put it that way. My coach out here admitting that he made hires without interviewing them. I mean, that would raise a huge red flag for me, especially with how last season went for them and the fact that it's possible they get another postseason ban. I mean, the NCAA hasn't ruled on anything yet. If I were an LSU fan, and this is how fans work, most of them wouldn't even really pay attention to this. They probably, oh, it's nothing, no big deal. They'll find a way to spin it. Local media will spin it, and it'll be fine, and everybody will be happy and push forward and uh, call for the ban to play neck, even though they're dealing with what they're dealing with on campus. Uh, Tone deaf doesn't even begin to describe that. If I were a fan of LSU and I heard that quote, I'd be really concerned. I mean, that red flag is waving right now. And I I think there are more signs. Truthfully, I think there are more signs that 2019 was a fluke than 2019 was a signature of change. That's just me. We'll look at some of these coaching rankings tomorrow. Um, I'll run through them quickly for you. Just I'll make my own, and then we'll do that on tomorrow's show. But he has Saban, Sweeney, Brian Kelly at three, which I, I guess. Uh, I guess. Lincoln Riley at four, Ryan Day at five, Kirby Smart at six, which is just a joke. Jimbo Fisher at seven, Ordron at eight, Mullen at nine, uh, Matt Campbell at ten, Ahead of Luke Fickle at Cincinnati, which I also think is a joke. Pat Fitzgerald at 12. Munkin, I think that's a really good choice at 13. Paul Christ at 14. Uh, He's got Bill Clark uh, at 16. James Franklin at 17. Ahead of P.J. Fleck, which I think is just bad. Um, Mario Cristobal at 19, which I think is really, really bad. Um, I think Mario Cristobal is going to be the guy that replaces Nick Saban in Alabama. Um. I think he's really good. I think he's a championship caliber coach, and him being at 19 I think is silly. Because if you gave me a choice between Mario Cristobal and almost everybody in front of him, I'm taking Cristobal. But it's not my list. It's somebody else's. He has Hugh Freeze at 20, Kirk Ferentz at 21, Lance Leopold at 22, David Shaw at 23, Lane Kiffin at 24, and Tom Allen at 25. See, that? that's... Anyway, I'll do one of these tomorrow, and it'll be better than this because Tom Allen is a better football coach than Kirk Ferentz. I don't care that Kirk Ferentz has been at Iowa for two decades. If you gave me a choice, it's Tom Allen over Kirk Ferentz. If you gave me a choice, it's Lane Kiffin. It's Lance Leopold, even, over Kirk Ferentz. Uh, I'm fine with Freeze being where he is. In fact, as far as football coaching ability, he should be higher than that. Uh, He should be higher than James Franklin. He should be higher than Bill Clark. I, i I think he's a hell of a football coach. Uh, it's it's off the field stuff that is holding him back and will forever hold him back. But uh, I think this list is all kind of jacked up. Um, and truthfully, I, I think that we are headed towards a similar end, um, a Gene Chizik-esque end, because your sample size now 
with Orgeron, there's an outlier, and the outlier isn't a bad season. But I, I appreciate the honesty. That's why I feel so, I feel bad for for kind of roasting it because I appreciate the honesty. I just think you shouldn't. There shouldn't be an opportunity for you to be honest about not interviewing assistant coaches. <laughs> you you shouldn't have to be honest about that because that shouldn't happen. Would scare me to death if I were an LSU fan, but that's just me. And lastly, baseball last night, uh, Ole Miss beat Central Arkansas. You know, whatever. Um, everybody's going to be healthy and ready for the weekend. That's the biggest news. Not that they played and won the game. I mean, again, it's a midweek game over Central Arkansas. Um, who really cares? Uh, it's that Nikhazy will start on Friday for Ole Miss. He's back. Max Chofi will be available for Ole Miss. Uh, probably not as um, many innings as they could use him for down the road, but they're bringing him with them to with them to Tuscaloosa. And uh, Chatney, it was just a rest day. Uh, they think that he's okay, that um, he didn't tweak his hamstring. They were just resting it to make sure that he was healthy for the weekend. So that's the only thing you can take away from Ole Miss. Mississippi State plays tonight, and Southern Miss last night. They are now winners of 9 of 10, Southern Miss baseball, 9 of 10, and then they beat Alabama last night. So Southern Miss, uh, since they lost three in a row, uh, they lost the uh, the Sunday game to Connecticut. So they won the UConn series but lost the Sunday game. Got beat by Mississippi State in the midweek and then lost the opening game to Jacksonville State before taking that series. Since that Friday loss to Jacksonville State on March 5th, Southern Miss has lost one game. They have lost one game, and it was a Tuesday night to South Alabama. They have gone series win against Jacksonville State, sweep of ULL, sweep of Missouri State, and they beat Alabama last night, 5-4. to four. Uh, was the final score in that one. They had seven hits. Um, Southern Miss pitched uh, like the entire pitching staff. I mean, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten guys for Southern Miss pitched in the game. But they're just rolling right now. Uh, you got three hits from Gabe Montenegro. He's just a great player, and he's been there for what feels like a decade. Uh, DJ Lynch had a hit. Uh, McGillis had a hit. Uh, the bottom of the order for Southern Miss really did well. The middle, uh, you're looking from three to seven. Didn't have a hit last night. And uh, the others scattered seven, scored five runs. Really good win for Southern Miss. Great win for Southern Miss. But here's here's something. This is Brad Bohannon last night. Luke Johnson uh, with the Super Talk Eagle Hour sent me this this morning. Here's his quote. Tough night at the park for us. I thought William Freeman gave us a really good start. He was cruising and gave us a great opportunity to win, which is huge in the midweek. The story of the game, in my mind, is that we need to get better offensively. Here's the money quote. We didn't see the type of stuff tonight that should cause us to punch out 13 times. We just have to get better and better in a hurry. I I guess I hear what he's saying. But it's not like you were playing Alabama A&M, dude. I mean, you you were playing a program that is a perennial mainstay at the top of their conference, who's hosted regionals, who's been in regionals consistently, who if, if they have another good weekend this weekend, if Southern Miss can take even just two, because they're playing four games this weekend, but if Southern Miss plays well this weekend against Louisiana Tech, 
they'll be ranked. This isn't some scrub team that had some junk ball lefty throwing 55 mile an hour curveballs and you're just, your team's not used to it. No, this is a good team. This is a team that could host a regional. This is a team that would be a two seed that you would just absolutely hate to see in yours. This isn't some nobody scrub program. Didn't see the type of stuff that we should strike out in. Well, maybe you did, coach. I mean, are you? is anybody convinced that if Southern Miss and Alabama played a three-game set, Alabama would just roll through Southern Miss? I'm not. No shot. So that's Sour Graves crap right there. That's a good baseball team you lost to with a good pitching staff. That's deep. Don't give me that. Well, that's not the stuff that we should strike out against. Uh, obviously it is, Coach. Obviously it is. If you were playing Alabama A&M or Tennessee Chattanooga or something like that, I, I'd hear you because they don't have the arms. But this is a good, stable, talented class of their conference program at Southern Miss. Not some jokers that were throwing 55-mile-an-hour curveballs and 71-mile-an-hour fastballs last night. Give me a break. You got beat by a good team. Good win for Southern Miss. Big weekend for them. The atmospheres in Hattiesburg should be incredible for Louisiana Tech this weekend. I mean, you've got number one versus number two or number two versus number three in Starkville this weekend with Arkansas and Mississippi State, and you've got Louisiana Tech going to Hattiesburg. Baseball atmospheres um, just going to be awesome. And uh, Zach is asking why they're playing four games. So, Conference USA has decided their weekend series are going to be four games. And I understand why, but the two games, so they're they're doing Friday night regular game, nine innings, Saturday, two seven-inning games, and then Sunday, nine innings. I, I, I don't like that. And I know why they're doing it to save arms and stuff like that. I just, I, I do not like that at all. Uh, but yeah, that's why they're um, they're doing four game series. It was a COVID adjustment thing, and um, I don't like it personally. But that is what they decided to do this year. It's a it's a COVID deal for uh, for the Conference USA this year. Hopefully next year they get smart and return back uh, return back to normal. So I've ran long today. Thank you guys for uh, for tuning in as you always do. Um, subscribe to the podcast. Mike in the morning, Michael Borky, leave a rating and a review. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow me on all social media. Thank you guys for tuning in. I very much appreciate all of you. Uh, Enjoy your baseball tonight uh, if you're a Mississippi State fan, and then let's get ready for the weekend. Uh, More baseball and my top 25 coaches because the one that I just read at The Athletic, not very good. So I'm going to do my own tomorrow, and it's probably not going to be very good. So until then, y'all have a great day. Check out the radio show, of course, why I'm here. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow morning. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.